You're listening to a resource from Alpine Bible Church. Alpine Bible Church exists to know Christ Jesus together and to make Him known. We are located in Sugar Creek, Ohio. For more information, visit our website at alpinebible.org. May Jesus be glorified in your life. morning. I'd like to invite you guys to turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. May I say happy Mother's Day. Uh, Charles Spurgeon wrote my favorite quote when it comes to Mother's Day. He said, never could it be possible for any man to estimate what he owes to a godly mother. And uh, there's probably some guys in this room that would say amen to that, right? That's right. I hope you guys don't mind but uh, I would like to take the opportunity to wish Happy Mother's Day to a great mom. Okay, you guys don't know her as mom, you know her as Miss Pam. Miss <laughs> Pam hangs out in the back, and Miss Pam leads the singing, and she does all the Bible school stuff. And if you don't know her, it's because her work is one of quiet faithfulness, who rarely gets to get up here and get the attention and the praise for what she does. She just faithfully keeps serving. But I know her as mom, and I know her as the glue that kept the Hartzler household together as three men against one woman almost drove her crazy, right? We don't have enough days to make a big deal about the right things in life, right? So thanks, mom. Love you. We're going to talk about hope today. And as with many things, I have a weird mind, so I go back to where did I learn about hope or think about hope, and I went back to a time in my childhood me and my brother used to wake up on Saturday mornings before anybody else, and we would sneak downstairs, and we would turn the TV on. In our day, we didn't have cable. We had antenna. So sometimes we'd have to get the rotor and twist that antenna till our show came in. But we would... <laughs> I'm going to get judged. We, we would watch the wonderful world of World Wrestling Federation. And we would learn about hope. We would, we would learn from guys named Macho Man, Randy Savage. And I remember one day, Macho Man Randy Savage and his beautiful wife, who we called Miss Elizabeth, went down to the ring for a match against the Honky Tonk Man. And the match starts out, and Macho Man is, he's the guy you want to cheer for. He's good, right? And he's just taking him down. He's just giving the honky-tonk man a beating, right? So everything's good in the world. We're, we're pumped. But then all of a sudden, the stinking Hart Foundation comes out, Bret Hart and his brother. And they punch Macho Man in the back, just blindsided. And for the next couple minutes, you just see Macho Man get torn limb from limb, one side of the ring to the other side of the ring, and you're like, no! You can see the people in the crowd, no! People are crying. This is such a hopeless situation. But then Miss Elizabeth comes into the ring because the honky-tonk man is about to hit Macho Man with his guitar. And she said, no! Don't hit my husband Macho Man with the guitar. And you know what the honky-tonk man did? He threw Elizabeth to the ground. 
the first lady of wrestling. And everybody in the crowd is saying, no! And the honky-tonk man hits Randy Savage with a guitar. And everybody was scared and hopeless, except for Jack and James Hartzler. (laughs) You know why? Because the macho man was part of the mega powers. And the other man in the mega powers was named Hulk Hogan, baby. And the whole time you're watching this disaster unfold, you're waiting for the words to come across the speaker. And if you grew up in my era, you know what those words were. I am a real American. Fight for the rights of every man. I am a real American. And that meant Hulk Hogan was coming to the stage and he came down and he knocked out the honky-tonk man and he threw the Heart Foundation out of the ring and Macho Man Randy Savage won. (laughs) Hope. We're starved for hope. We look for it in crazy places. The World Wrestling Foundation realized that hope was a good thing to sell. There's a lot of people trying to sell hope. But today we're going to talk about the best hope. There was a group of guys in the New Testament, and they found a hope, man, and they could not stop running around and telling every single person about it. So much so that when they got called into the rulers, one of the rulers said, is this the men that are turning the world upside down? Because they had this message of hope that they couldn't stop talking about. And you know what it was? It all surrounded Something that happened called the resurrection. They saw Jesus Christ back to life. And he came and it gave them great hope. And we're going to talk about that today. Look at that in 1 Peter chapter 1. And here's the thing, guys. This is so needed. Because we live in a culture that starved for hope. This week I was doing some reading. And I came across... A study that was done by Princeton University back in 2015. And what the study found is that after decades of improvement, mortality had been declining consistently by about 2% a year. It actually increased by about a half a percentage point every year from 1999 to 2013. The study goes on to say, equally surprising, the causes of the increase in deaths were not the usual suspects, such as heart disease. Instead, mortality is on the rise because of higher levels of suicide and greater numbers of drug and alcohol overdoses. Overall, Professor Ellen Mara observed the study illustrates the sad reality that we are observing an epidemic in hopelessness. And so, guys... Amongst a dark world that is starving, dying for hope. We've got a hope that shines so stinking bright. And I hope that today on Mother's Day we can celebrate it. Let's pray. Dear God, I just pray that you would be with us today as as we get into your word. And we start to talk about the blessed living hope that changed the life of Peter. And Lord, I pray that as we read his words that your spirit would do a work in our hearts and our lives and that we would understand hope for some of us again, refreshed and anew. Maybe for some of us for the first time. 
that true hope, that living hope, surrounding the fact that you rose again from the grave. Be with us today. I give you all the glory for that in your name. Amen. Now, uh, we're going to... We're going to do a lot of cross-referencing, so I would just encourage you guys right now. This is home base, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 5. So if you've got a little marker in your Bible, maybe mark that thing out. And then as we jump around, it'll be easy to come back to. Peter says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Guys, we're going to talk a lot about the life of Peter because for Peter to write this, Peter had to digest this. Peter had to experience this. And I believe that his life is a great example of this hope, receiving it and living it out. And here's the thing. I believe that Peter, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, received hope for his past, hope for his present, and hope for his future. And that's what we're going to look at today. And the first thing we're going to look at is hope for our past. Peter wrote, in his great mercy, he has given us a new birth. Man, hope for the past is a hard thing. You want to know why? You can't do nothing about it. You ever notice that? (laughs) got some things in your past that you wish you could change that somehow seem to define you even after years and years and years. You just wish that it wasn't that way, but it really happened. It, it was really said. You really went there. You know how it goes. Uh, when I was uh, about 28 years old, I, 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 bought a, I bought a car, and it was a, a fun car for me. It was a Nissan 370Z, and buddy, I was excited. And like the third or fourth day of owning that car, I drove it right down to work. And I worked for a a small family business. And so our parking lot was kind of worked out like your driveway at home. You guys know what I mean. You know where everyone parks, right? Everybody's got their spot and you could just go through it blindfolded because you know that, hey, they park over there and I park here and no problem. As long as no one messes with that, it's all good. The first day that I took my car down there, my, 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 oh, exciting new car. I run out to lunch. I run out to go for lunch, and I'm running out of time. So I jump in that car, I fire it up, and I back up with confidence, brother, until I heard... See, I had forgotten that we had customers in from Colgate, and I confidently smashed my car into his car. And the minute that I heard that, I thought, no! Because, it, you know, if you mess up by yourself when you're by, you know, all alone, that's one thing. But if you mess up and you know you're going to have to explain yourself to everyone, like the people looking out the window at that moment, you immediately wish, I wish I could take that back. And so I had to go in, had to find the customer, his name was Pat. I said, hey, Pat, I just hit your car. He said, ah, <laughs> funny. Funny, that's a nice car you got out there. And I'm like, yeah, seriously, I just hit your car. Can I tell you that that was seven years ago? Every time someone from Colgate comes in, you see him start whispering. And then they'll say, are you the guy that hit Pat's car? 
the past is difficult to find hope in because the past is something that you can't take back. You got something in your life you wish you could take back? Peter did. And I'm going to tell you what Peter wished he could take back makes some of our stuff look like nothing. Can I take you back there to Peter's wish he could redo in Mark chapter 14? For time's sake, you don't have to make it there completely. We can, we can go over it again. In Mark chapter 14, we're marking the last stages of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ's life. And it's the most evil day in all of history. Evil men apprehend, apprehend Jesus and they take him and their intention is to murder him. And in order to do this, they set up this mock trial, a joke. And these evil men start to look at Jesus and say, you tell us who you say you are. Do you really think that you're the Son of God? Do you, do you really think that? Verse 62 in Mark chapter 14, Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. And the high priest, this wicked man, tears his clothes, says, why do we need any more witnesses? He asks, you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they all condemned him as worthy of death. Then some began to spin on him. And they blindfolded him and struck him with their fists. And they said, prophesy. Who hit you? And the guards took him. And they beat him. Man, I I can't read that passage. This week as I've been getting ready, I, I, I keep thinking about that. Jesus Christ... God in human flesh, taken by wicked men. And you're reading it and you still say, no! And they say, no, you deserve to die. And they spit on him. And they blindfold him. Say, if you're the son of God, why don't you go ahead and tell us who hit you? And they kept punching him and punching him and punching him. And while all of this is going on, his good friend Peter is in a courtyard not far away. And he's walking in there. And they say, hey, weren't you one of the ones that know him? And you remember what Peter did. No, 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 no. I I, I don't know him. I'm not, I'm not associated with him. I'm not the guy that you think. No, I don't know that guy. As he's being spit on and punched. A little bit later, somebody comes up. No, no I'm, I'm sure of it, man. I'm sure. You, I've seen you with him. You're one of the ones that followed him. You're one of the ones who believed him. And then with a little bit more aggression. No, I'm, I'm telling you. I don't know that man. Until finally, one last time, somebody says, hey, you're one of them. And it said that he went to the extent that he started calling down curses. And he said, I am telling you, 
And I don't know if they would have had to bleep out what he said, but he said it in the most emphatic way so that no one would ever associate him with Jesus again. I don't know him. I don't want anything to do with him. And right around that time that he heard a rooster crow. And he was reminded that Jesus told him, even though in his arrogance he said, I would never let you down. Jesus said, hey, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me. And you know what Peter did? He went outside. And maybe you've had a day like this. He looked at something that he would never be able to take back. And he wept over it, man. He wept. That's a pretty big oopsie. That's, that's a pretty bad thing that happened in your past. That, and you have no hope for it because you can't ever take those words back. But here's what I want us to think about today. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I, I forgot this, guys. I, I really did. We all know that after Jesus rose from the dead, he started to reveal himself to people. And every time I think about him revealing himself to the disciples, I think about that room, right? Where he shows up, get a magic trick, like, ta-da, hey. But you know what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15? He said that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, Peter. After that, by the twelve. Do you guys realize the last thing that Peter ever did while Jesus was still living in his hour of dire need was to deny him emphatically three times so dramatically that people would leave him alone and just assume he had no association with him. And the very next time that we see Peter with Jesus, it's because Jesus set him aside for a personal revelation after he was raised from the dead. And I have just been thinking about this. I'm like, God, what was that meeting like? Because if you're Peter, what do you think? When Jesus just shows up. With the past that's been haunting you for the past three days. And the words that you can never take back. Because we all know if we were Jesus and I showed up, if I, if I was Jesus, God forbid, uh, I showed up and I see Peter, I'd be like, recognize me now? You want to associate with me now? But I don't believe it was like that. In fact, I believe that this encounter with Jesus Christ changed Peter's life forever. And when he saw Jesus, according to Scripture, it says that you could see the nail marks in his hand. And the evidence of what he had been through. And here's what I think Peter knew in a way that none of us can really even comprehend. I think he heard the words of Isaiah. Surely, he took our pain. And bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, the marks in his hands and his side. 
we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I think that that's the message that Peter got in this one-on-one with Jesus Christ as he sees the evidence of crucifixion and he understands, son, you don't have to run. I know you got a past you're ashamed of, but what you see here is hope for a hopeless past because it was by these wounds, Peter, that you're healed. And it's by these wounds that you'll never have to question, do I love you? Because Peter would have known what Paul knew when Paul wrote in Romans chapter 5, you see at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for the deniers. Christ died for the people who didn't want to be associated with Him. Christ died for the people with the bad past. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person some might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And why was he doing it? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 says that God was reconciling. It's a term we still use today for when... When people who are married are on the outs and then they come back together, they reconcile. They bring back those loving relations. It says that God was reconciling, restoring friendly relations to the world, to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins or their past against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. God made him who had no sin for us to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And in this meeting, Peter is talking to Jesus, and I believe he has impressed upon him a hope for a hopeless past as he sees the sacrifice that covers his sin. I don't know if there's any of us here today that struggle with a past, that struggle with the idea of what would God say to me if I was face to face with him. And I'm just reaching out to you guys with this hope. The hope that Peter found. The hope that says that you can be washed white as snow as you can be found in Christ. Who took on your sin and paid the penalty on the cross. So that he could reconcile Bring back friendly relations between you and him. And that was the message that day to Peter. Not damnation. Reconciliation. I love you. Son, do you have hope for your past? It was that day that Peter realized that salvation was not about his resume. It was about Jesus. It wasn't about Peter's righteousness. It was about Jesus' righteousness. It wasn't about Peter's ability. It was about Jesus' ability. And when Peter realized that, it was like a weight was lifted off his shoulders so that he could write in our text, in his great mercy, he's given us a new birth, a new start, hope for a hopeless past. 
he goes on in our text to say, he talks about that hope as a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. Now, if you're Peter, you got a, you got a lot to swallow. Not only did he have to figure out about his past and, and, and Jesus had taken care of the penalty of his sins, but now Jesus, over the next coming days, weeks, would start to tell Peter of a big-time responsibility. Peter, you're going to be the rock, man. You're going to be my spokesperson to the world to start the movement called the church. And I know that you've been irrational in the past, and I know that you've been faithless in the past, but man, you're going to be consistent and faithful. And Peter probably had to say, wait, wait, wait. I am so glad that you've forgiven me of my past, but let's not forget who I am. I've got some more of those in me. I've got some more oopses. And that's when I believe he found hope for his present. Because think about this, guys. He's having a conversation with Jesus Christ raised from the dead. And Jesus said, hey, let me help you figure something out. And I believe he understood what Paul understood in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. If you've got time, you can turn there. While you guys are turning there, I'll, I'll tell you a story. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. Uh, when I was younger, right around the 6th and 7th grade... I all of a sudden stopped being able to hit a baseball or shoot a foul shot or see the numbers on the chalkboard in math. What everybody else didn't know about me is that I was deathly afraid to get glasses. So I was blind, man, blind. And one day I was riding in the car with my dad and he said, hey, listen, I need you to pay attention to the signs and tell me when to turn. And as I tried to crawl up into the windshield to look, he said, son, can you not see? I said, no, I'm good. (laughs) He said, we're taking you to the eye doctor. Oh, no. I went to the eye doctor, and this time I couldn't cheat on the test by kind of holding my fingers open, because that's how I passed all my eye tests in school. And they said, you need corrective vision. And I begged them, please, give me contacts. Give me contacts. I don't want to go to school wearing glasses. I walked out that day with new vision, and I swore to myself, I will never go back to settling for being blind ever again. Because now I realize why I was bad at at hitting baseballs and shooting foul shots and bad at math. It's because I was blind. The Bible says that we were blind. That the God of this age blinds us. Lest the glorious light of the gospel comes in. And what... Jesus told Peter was that, Peter, the reason why you're like that is because you're blind. And you need new eyes. You need a new life. You need a new start. You need a new birth. And here's the awesome thing, Peter. I want you to understand that what will be the gas in your tank is the very power that raised me from the dead and allows me to talk to you right now will be the same power that fuels this new life that I'm calling you to live. That's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. 
That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. That's why the New Testament says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. Now that would give Peter hope for his present. Sure, his sins were forgiven, but now he was called to an exciting new life where he would be the hands and feet of Jesus. (laughs) Where he would be responsible for giving this new gospel message to a world who was hostile to it. Where he would be responsible for raising up a new baby church with new baby Christians. Where people would be looking to him to have the answers. Where he would have to be confident where before he was afraid. And I believe that he understood as Jesus told him. It won't be you. Take that burden off of you, son. You will live according to the very power that raised me from the dead. Guys, we lose the weight of certain verses because they're quoted by guys like me so much. We're like, yeah, 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 the power. Yeah, it's the power that raised Christ from the dead that's in me. But if Could you imagine if you were Peter how real that would have been as you're talking to risen Jesus Christ? I'll tell you, he believed it. And it didn't even take long for us to see a dynamic shift. Because all of a sudden in Acts on the day of Pentecost, Peter in front of many of the people that he denied Jesus in front of, stands up. And he says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. I know him. I saw him. And in front of 3,000 people where he was fearful, he's fearless, and he boldly proclaims. And look at what happened. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said, Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. And I got to believe, I don't know if Peter spoke on some elevated position like this, but maybe when he came down, he was like, God, that was good. (laughs) Oh, man, I didn't think I even said anything that good. But wow, 3,000 people, what you're saying is totally true. That wasn't me, that was you. And Peter went on to live this amazing life. And here's, here's how I can tell you. You're here today because of a fearless life that a scaredy cat lived. After he got hope for his present. Because he started the church movement. And this church movement has been the biggest thing that the world has ever seen. It's changed my life. It's changed yours. That's what God can do when he gets a hold of people. And here, you know what? I was thinking about this. A Mother's Day, man. A Mother's Day. Do we still see this? Yeah, I think my mom probably woke up many days and said, Lord Jesus... I don't think you've seen my sons. And I know what I'm called to do and to be. And I think there's a lot of mothers on Mother's Day that probably think about this. They think, man, I don't know how to be the mom 
that the scripture calls me to be. I don't, I don't know. And God, if, it, if it's going to get done, you're going to have to give me the strength. You're going to have to give me the grace to be able to do this. But I grew up in a house with a mom who prayed regularly and read her Bible. And she believed that she had hope that the same power that raised Jesus from the grave would be the same power that would allow her imperfect person that she was to live out the gospel. My card to my mother this year was short but sweet. Mom, thanks for living a life that led me to Jesus. Because that's what God will do with just ordinary people that got a hope that rises above their circumstance because, man, if Jesus Christ raised from the dead, then I can believe the same power that led to that happening is leading to me to be more than victorious and conquer. And that He will work in me to will and to do. And I tell you what, there's some children in this room I don't care whether you're 30, 40, 50, but they're thankful for mothers who are just like mine, who took that mantle and faced the next day and the next chapter and the next season with a hope that came from a relationship with a risen Savior. That's what we got. I don't know what you're dealing with today. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what you need hope for. But don't forget the hope that you have. The hope that Peter writes and says, it's not a hope for the past. It's a living hope. It's active right now. And I think it's such a shame that we as Christians go out and we try and fill our life with other hope that can't even compare to the hope that the apostles gave us and that Jesus died to give us. Hope for the present. A hope that says, not your strength, Jack, mine. In Acts chapter 4, two two chapters later, people were watching Peter speak. And it said, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. It's the type of hope that turns the fearful into the fearless. Now here's the last thing. I, I believe this hope gives us a hope for the future. And, and guys, this is, this, is, this is beautiful. This is rich. In our text, in verse 4, it says, Peter goes on and says, and into, he's talking about this hope, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed at the last time. Peter says, hey, listen, there's, still, there's hope for your future too, guys. There's this future inheritance that, that, that God has secured for us, something that can't be taken from us. And again, I believe that Peter can write this from a perspective that nobody else could because I want to remind you of a story that happened in Peter's life in Matthew chapter 17. It was called the Mount of Transfiguration. And Jesus took Peter, James, and John the three cohorts, and he said, hey, follow me. I want to show you something awesome. Okay? 
So you go up to the top of the hill or the mountain. And it says, verse 2, there he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter's sitting there on a random day. And he sees Jesus who walked up the mountain in a body just like ours. Not much to talk about. But all of a sudden, in the blink of an eye, that body reveals his glorious nature. He wasn't looking at a body anymore. It says his face shone. And then all of a sudden, the clothes on him were like the light. Just pure light. And it says that the, the heroes of the faith come down as of the faith come down as Moses and Elijah, and they're just hanging out there talking. And 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 the disciples, they had to be like, what are we seeing? You ever been asked to pray like in front of somebody important? Like if I called somebody up here and be like, hey, would you pray for us? You'd be like, oh man, uh, what am I gonna say? Uh, Bob's listening. <laughs> I think in my crazy mind, I think the disciples are sitting there like, somebody's gotta say something. And Peter stands up, and I love it, because he's like, uh, he isn't like, oh, Lord, our Father. You know what he says? It's good to be here. This is good. <laughs> Growing up in a, in, a, in a house where my mama could cook good things, I, I, a lot of times I'd eat stuff. I didn't know what it was. I'd be like, I don't know what this is, but this is good. <laughs> Give me some more. And I think Peter was like, hey, I don't know what this is. I've never seen glory revealed like this. I'm only used to seeing Jesus in human flesh, but whatever this is, this is good. You want me to build some, uh, some tents here so that we can hang out here for a while? That's basically what he says. He just wanted to stay. I think Jesus, I think Jesus knew that Peter wanted to be with him always. And I think that when Jesus talked about our um, inheritance... I think he said, hey, Peter, remember that day when we were on the mountain and you saw the whole mountain transfixed and changed by my glory? You remember how good that was? Oh, yeah, God, I remember. I remember how good that was. I'd never seen anything like that. I never, never felt anything like that. That was good. I wish we could have stayed there. Hey, hey, guess what? Someday you're going to shed your mortal body And you're going to be given a new body. And sin won't be able to corrupt it. And you will be able to experience my glory fully. It's the redemption of all my creation. And no one can take it from you. Paul wrote about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He said, for the perishable must clothe itself with imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written comes true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? The New Testament would say that to be absent from the body is to be present where? With the Lord. 
Paul needed this hope. Not Paul, Peter. Paul needed it too. <laughs> Peter needed this hope because in AD 69, after years and years and years of giving a gospel message to a world that some wanted to receive it and a lot of people didn't, and he was jailed multiple times, and they would say, listen, you better stop. You better stop saying you saw Jesus raised from the grave. You better stop saying that, that Jesus was God. You better stop saying this gospel message of yours. And Peter said, no, no I ain't got to stop. I got to hope. One day the jail cell opened and it was his day. They led him to a cross. And I'm sure that the people who led him to the cross had led other people to the cross. And I'm sure that that was a fearful and frightening time for most people. And I think it blew their doors back when Peter said, Hey guys, just one thing. Can you please uh, just crucify me upside down though? Because my Lord died right side up. And I'm not fit to die the same way as him. And Peter walked to a cross. But you know what he saw? That's just the front door of heaven, baby. <laughs> and man, I got a hope that a cross can't take I got a hope that jail couldn't steal from me. I got a hope because, man, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And when I'm in glory, it won't be long until Jesus comes back and resurrects us all up to be with him. And I'm going to be in a glorious new body and I will behold him in all of his glory. I didn't get to see Peter that day, but I saw my grandpa. He had just got back from mowing. He too had a heart condition. And that day, the heart took a dive. And they were able to bring him back at the hospital. And they called us and they said, hey, you guys better get here. Your grandpa, there ain't no more hope for him. All the doctors, all the medicine... It's hopeless. So all of us who were there walked into a room. And my grandpa was on a table. And my grandma was beside him. And my grandpa had such grace as we were nervous and scared because who wants to lose somebody that amazing? And so after he got done joking with us and telling us to get back to work, he would go in and out. And at one point in time, he grabbed my grandma's hand and said, Honey, I'm going home. Now, I'm just telling you, there's going to come a day where all the hope the world offers you will be hopelessness. Your career, your money, even your kids, your family, the doctors, they're not going to have an answer. But we've been given this hope. And that day, a Union Hospital room was just the front door to my grandpa's faith becoming sight. And someday, he will praise God with both hands. And those of you who know him, you know what that means. Feel free to, to close your Bibles, guys. I got a a story that I want to lead us out with on this, on this Mother's Day. 
I want to tell you the story of a guy named Thomas Martinez. He lived in Bolivia. He was a beggar. Thomas had a bad past. And it was part of that bad past that led him to abusing alcohol and drugs. So Thomas's day-to-day life was to beg outside of a bar. And whenever he got enough change, he'd go in and he'd buy one more drink. And he'd survive one drink at a time. If Thomas didn't have enough money, he'd have to resort to writing bad checks. So he got known around town, don't accept checks from Thomas, because they'll bounce. He's just a, just a strung out guy, hopeless. One day he was in the bar, had enough change for a drink that day, and the police came to find old Thomas Martinez. They're going through the bar, they're, they're talking, hey, have you seen Thomas? We're looking for Thomas. And somehow Thomas gets word and he dips out the back of that bar fast as he can. Nobody ever saw him again. Here's the problem. Police were looking for Thomas because he had just inherited six million dollars. He had married a woman 40 years before and left her, but she had never fully divorced him. Later on in her life, a wealthy member in her family had died and left her six million dollars and now she had died And the only person that inheritance was left to was good old Thomas. Scared of what the authorities were going to ask of him that day. Scared that he would lose his freedom. Scared that life would just leave him if they ever got him. He ran away. He was a millionaire. But lived his life on the streets. Like a pauper. Mother's Day is great. Because a lot of us will come here to just satisfy our mamas. But the reality is, we're Thomas Martinez. Because when Jesus comes knocking, we're afraid that what he's going to take from us is the fun. We're afraid that what he's going to take from us is all the stuff in life that we're pursuing. And we don't realize it, but we're living like a beggar, man. And here's what Jesus Christ is coming to give you. He's coming to give you an inheritance pure and incorruptible. An inheritance in a kingdom that would make you scoff at the things of this world. And he's come to give you a hope for your past and your present and your future. And I'm just saying, there might be a Thomas in here today. Man, you can show up in church, but you duck out the back door before Jesus ever gets a hold of you. And I'm telling you, today is the day you can stop running. Don't run from the inheritance and the great hope that comes from the truth of the gospel. Jesus crucified and raised to life. And he's coming back again. I would ask you to bow your heads. Guys, I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to take a chance that maybe there is a Thomas Martinez in here. Somebody who isn't hearing the gospel for the first time. Jesus has been chasing you down for a while, but you've always been good enough to get out the back door. And I'm begging you, don't don't leave here today without hope. Don't leave here today without knowing that what he did on the cross gives you hope for your past and forgiveness. Gives you hope for your present as you can live a new life empowered through his spirit and a hope for a future that is guarded and protected for you in eternity.
I would ask if there's anybody here that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, raise your hand right now. Today is the day that the hope of the gospel can find you. If that's you, I'm going to pray a prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray for anyone in this room who is living this life without the hope, the best hope, the hope that you can provide. I pray that they would see you today the way that Peter saw you that day when you sought him out. As their Savior. As the answer for their past and their present and their future. I pray that those people would give their life to you today and receive that inheritance and that salvation. For those of us who are Christians, we still have a tendency to live on hope that is not as good as the hope that we've been given. And we have a tendency to run from our Savior as well. And I would just encourage you guys today that you find your way back to the cross in your heart and in your mind and remind yourself that Jesus loves you, that he took care of your past, he wants to change your present, that anything he's calling you to, anything you're going through right now, he has the ample strength to give you get you through it and to cling to that hope of ours in the future dear God I just pray that you lead us out here today with a renewed hope I give you all the glory for it in your name, Amen